Hello. The International Maritime Organization has been leading a push for decarbonization of shipping. However, it has been a painful path and progress has been slow. Now the European Commission has come up with a legislative package that aims to reduce the EU's emissions in line with its 2030 environmental goals. The key takeaway for shipping is that burning fossil fuels simply becomes more expensive than ever. But research to find a range of alternative fuels has been fraught with difficulty. The headlines speak of intensity indicators, toxicity, infrastructure for new fuels, taxation and much besides. But what's going on below the surface that could make a material difference, not just under the surface of the discussion, but under the surface of the water? My name is Richard Clayton, I'm Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List, and I'm taking a deep dive with William Winters, Managing Director of Vartsila Underwater Services, to find out. Hello, William. Vartsila Underwater Services is not a name familiar to many of our listeners. Can we begin by explaining how a technology business came to be involved with diving? Hi, Richard. Hey. Well, to answer that question, I would need to go back in time for a good 20, 25 years, probably. Um, Wartzilla Underwater Services is indeed a very new name in our industry. We've actually only just started using it a few months ago, actually. Um, up until then, we were well known under the name Trident Innovative Underwater Solutions. When Trident was founded back in 1993, the goal was to deliver high-end repairs below the waterline, on seagoing vessels of basically any type. We wanted to be that option B in case an emergency repair was required in between regular dry docking intervals or when simply cargo didn't allow for the vessel to dock. There's many, many scenarios one could think of uh, where an alternative like this is openly welcomed by owners and managers. Even though the service on its own can be and likely is more expensive, However, if you take the whole package, all the additional costs into account that are associated with taking a vessel out of service and into a dock, cargo, off hire, you name it, the overall picture makes, often makes uh, perfect sense considering flow repairs can typically be done during cargo operations. T take a container vessel, for example, and imagine having to offload and reload several thousands of TEUs to be able to go to dock. This, this validates the case easily. And, and it's, exactly, it's exactly that approach uh, which has allowed us to grow the business to a global one and have the budget to further develop innovative solutions along the way. The, the FlexDam seal habitat we have is a, is a perfect example and a product that, that came from it. Um, the idea came to life in the late 90s and actually quickly became an industry standard, which basically allows us to bond lip rings below the waterline with OEM warranty, uh, having that said. Many of the repairs we did then, and then still do today, obviously, uh, are on specific equipment, be it shaft line seal assemblies, propellers, thrusters, etc. And, and this is exactly where the relationship with the OEMs was born. Uh, we needed more information and training on their equipment. And the OEMs, they saw huge benefits in, in being able to service their equipment afloat now. Ever since then, we've had a close interaction with Wartzilla, who was always looking for that, that innovative edge and, and we've done many, many projects and, and developments along the way. An example being the hyperbaric um, uh, truster repairs, exchanging blades, dismantling hubs underwater, OD boxes, 
taking out complete lower gearboxes, propeller straightening, offload bending, you name it. Um, actually, the propeller straightening technique is a good example. The technique we use today is actually based on a tool uh, using the old LIPS workshops back in the 80s, uh, which we modified to being able to use it safely on the water. At some point, Wartill decided it was such a good fit. Uh, they wanted to add this service to their own portfolio. And for us being Trident, this, this was a huge step to get such a confirmation from, from a, a huge OEM like Wartilla, obviously. And um, it would allow for a great deal of opportunities for the business and the people inside the company. So this interest eventually resulted in Trident being acquired by Wartilla just over three years ago now. And as mentioned, since recently, we decided that this part of the business will now continue as Wartilla Underwater Services in the Shelfline Solutions business portfolio. Okay, thank you very much. Now, as I understand it, commercial divers are contracted for emergency repair work, for maintenance and for monitoring. Um, how much emergency repair work are you undertaking now? Does that generate enough business to keep the team of divers active? Very good question and, and not straightforward to answer, but as I mentioned, the priority was always for us to be a repair company first. That was that was the main goal. However, that business is very irregular. It's very diverse and it requires a substantial amount of qualified people and equipment. We can have weeks without any repair work at all. And then, you know, very typical, all of a sudden you have five interventions in one week uh, all over the place in different countries. But the only way for us to cope with this is to grow the workforce and the network uh, in order to find a balance to cover those costs to, to, to have that size, that footprint. So combining the maintenance activities uh, with the repairs, we can maintain a larger workforce, basically. Uh, besides this, yeah, we also can get around to the fact that repair work goes hand in hand with the maintenance work. By doing maintenance work uh, at set intervals sometimes, you're almost automatically also monitoring. And simply put, our clients are also requesting that from us, also the ones we're doing the repair business for. So bottom line is that you want to be ready for repair work at any time. For that, you need to have a solid base of people and equipment. To maintain that base, the maintenance work provides that, that balance of workflow to be able to do so, apart from, from the other clear benefits uh, it brings, obviously. So that explains the push into maintenance and, and, and monitoring. Has there been an increase in that work? In general, uh, and in terms of demand, I would say yes definitely an increase. However, it's a, it's a very crowded market with, with many, many players in many different countries, which can obviously lead to a price competition. And, and there's nothing wrong with competition on price, of course, that's, that's just standard, if you have a level playing field, which unfortunately, it's not always the case. Um, quite a few maintenance scopes that we see um, can be done at a very low cost if you would cut, you know, if you would be willing to cut, on co cut corners on quality and safety, for example. So as a result, there's a huge gap in prices for basic maintenance or, or ship husbandry, as we refer to it as well. Um, the problem there is measuring, in my opinion. Let's take a very standard scope as an example, propeller polishing. Is a client really measuring the benefits of a propeller polishing that they ordered? Or are they just ticking a box that they've done the service? You know, just you, you need to do polishing makes sense. So let's just tick that box. It's it's well known that maintaining is a maintaining a smooth uh, blade surface increases the efficiency, results in lower fuel consumption, which is all true. No one will argue that, provided the service is indeed smoothened to a certain level. Ideally, you want to get below one micron. Uh, that's that's the 
the main goal, I would say. Um, we've invested a great deal, great deal to validate our process. Uh, did some, some extensive testing with the Latin Sea Academy, and we've we've proven that we can reach results up to 0.1 micron, so 10 times more efficient. But it takes a lot of time and effort. Uh, reality is, for a client, it's difficult to check and verify as the propeller is submerged, it's below the water. You, you can do a roughness measurement, not even us as divers, you, you just don't have the, the tools to do it. So in this case, even pictures won't help as a shiny propeller doesn't necessarily mean it's a smooth propeller. So that's just one example, of course, and, and same goes for hull cleaning and many, many uh, other scopes that, that we do. Um, I believe this is also where the assurance and expertise of a company like Wartzela comes in. Wartzela maintains a very high quality standard and they put they put a lot of effort into training training the teams up. Um, they have a very broad offering package, and I also feel that will be the approach for the future. Uh, we think it's time to push in a new direction, in line with Wartel's expertise with Enyram and Transas. Uh, the, the monitoring systems are there. Simply linking them to to the service alone uh, will allow for a lot of benefits to to owners and managers. Absolutely. So. When we talk about um, divers involved in monitoring propellers and shaft lines or entire ship's hulls, how is this linked with vessel efficiency with reduced fuel consumption and lower emissions? Um, a maintained hull and equipment increases efficiency. It reduces fuel consumption. It's as easy as that, right? So mm -hmm. lower emissions are a, are a natural consequence of, of that. Um, the quality of the divers performing the inspections here is, is quite critical. You, you almost need to have, you know, you need to have an advanced knowledge of, of ship design, of propulsion, coating systems. There's so many out there um, uh, and other equipment to be able to identify what's possibly occurring in order to be able to advise an owner properly. Just taking a picture of fouling just isn't going to cut it anymore. You, you, need, to you need to have some knowledge uh, behind it. Um, but it's not just that. Bent blade tips or leading edge damage, for example, on a propeller can have a far greater impact on its efficiency than just a foul blade surface. Is this recognized and dealt with appropriately? That's that's the main question. It's not just about cleaning and, and polishing, in my in my view. So obviously, shipping's focusing all its attention at the moment on becoming greener. Um, Last week, IMO chose new technologies for greener shipping as its world maritime theme for 2022. Um, how do you see divers as an integral part of this idea of new technologies for shipping? Yeah, interesting question. There's there's many different ways to make an assessment on the vessel's condition, right? Especially in this day and age. Um, one is the analytical systems like InRAM and Transas, so very impressive systems working with sensors and vessel data. The other one is the visual inspection that we do with divers or, or ROVs, depending on, on uh, what, what, where, how. Um, but in reality, the two complement each other uh, and, and a combination seems most effective, in my view, since both will have a margin of error, you know, uh, considering the, the, the parameters that are endless, so to say, you know, what, uh, how is the engine performing? What water? What climate? What temperature? There's there's so many variables. It's it's difficult to assess. Imagine we find a, a fault hull during a routine diving inspection, which is set at six month or even one year intervals. Uh, the question then is, how long has that hull been fouled already when we see it, and when is the next service option to clean the hull? 
since those options are quite limited as well, given the, the, the regulations that are getting more and more stringent in, in, in ports uh, worldwide. So even with vessels that have a productive approach like this, that, that, that do six to one year maintenance intervals or inspection intervals, uh, you can easily identify a two or three month gap where the vessel is sailing in, in a far less than optimum shape. When you translate that to efficiency and fuel consumption, the numbers can get big very quickly. And that's exactly why the combination works. If the system finds something that's off, a trigger in the system, uh, in between those set intervals of say six to nine months, um, we recommend to follow up with a diver intervention as soon as possible uh, to minimize exactly that gap. And you can and you can you can validate that that service intervention easily by doing the propeller polishing because uh, it's that's that's a proven case as it is. So, but then a detailed dive inspection will reveal if something is indeed going on and to what extent, which will allow for the system analytics to become increasingly smarter as well. So that 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 brings us to the next level, which which will at some point be performance-based logistics or or hull as a service, uh, which could well be uh, a model for the diving scopes in the future considering the effect that, uh, that the condition of a vessel below the waterline has on, on its performance. And, and you mentioned as, as part of your answer there, a trigger point. Um, to you as a diver, what does a trigger look like? Uh, that varies, that varies quite quite a lot. It could be fouling that you identify, it could be damage that you're, 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 you're finding. Um, Ideally, we combine our findings with the vessel's performance, apart from the obvious uh, findings, to, to identify what that trigger is for a specific vessel. Basically, from our point of view, as soon as fouling develops or damage is noted, action needs to be taken as soon as possible. For, for a lot of our clientele, we manage maintenance programs. If you can guarantee a good polishing, it makes per, per, sorry, perfect sense to do this every six months. The benefits will easily cover the costs. At the same time, you do a detailed inspection uh, of the hull, uh, and that's the way to minimize that gap that we that we just talked about. So, what happens when you bring your findings up to the surface? Do do ship owners recognize the value of divers' expertise, or is that where the negotiations really begin? Uh, there are significant costs involved in this, after all. Uh, absolutely, but uh, I would say there's clearly a shift there for sure. Uh, owners are more willing to listen and accept the advice because it's supported by expertise. Uh, and even though there is a cost, there is often a proven benefit which outweighs the cost and, and makes those risk reward cases very clear. Um, yeah. So IMO's theme for next year is new technologies, not new people's skills. Can the divers, uh, can the divers identify the trigger points and relay the findings um, just as well as the technology. Surely the technology can do it better than you can. Yeah, but I, I still strongly believe it will be a combination of the two. Uh, for, for sure, technological expertise and capabilities are increasing at a, at a rapid pace, uh, but its abilities to recognize and analyze will surely be enforced by the combination with people's skills. It, you, you must remember, it's not just about drag uh, causing, uh, caused by fouling uh, or efficiency. We, we can also identify problems that are not flagged by condition monitoring systems with uh, shaft seal assemblies or thrusters, for example, uh, that could cause an, an, an oil loss or damage down the road, just to give, you know, just to give an example there. Uh, these can have a big impact on the environment and overall performance of a vessel in operation as well. 
Imagine an unexpected loss of a, of a tunnel thruster. That will result in, in, in the use of uh, tugboats over a long period of time, which will then increase cost and emissions in that way. Let's look ahead, finally. Um, do you expect more attention to be paid in future to what's below the surface as part of the greener shipping agenda? Indeed. Uh, I'm always doing that already. Uh, look at the discussions around hull fouling in invasive species, the, the glow fouling. I'm all made it clear that the impact of fouled hulls is not to be underestimated when compared to the ballast water systems, which are highly regulated for, for that specific reason. Uh, apart from the issue around invasive species, the following also creates drag. Uh, that's that's well established, uh, with all the known consequences that bring that, that come along with that. But also equipment condition, um, uh, damaged propellers, propeller maintenance, monitoring—they're all factors that have a considerable impact on efficiency, and they will therefore ultimately be part of the greener agenda, in my view, uh, or at least they should be. And another example, the more recent development is. Uh, our teams are, are heavily involved in the float scrubber installations and emergency repairs as well to keep those systems uh, that are installed going. Um, it's it's quite new to the industry, uh, and, and, and you know some new problems are coming 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 around the corner. And the repairs are primarily related to the overboards themselves, which tend to get damaged extremely quickly when the coating is so much damaged or not appropriate for the, this particular environment. Um, Again, here, this innovation comes into play uh, when we work on solutions for different different sizes of overboards, different vessel types. They all have a very specific problem. Uh, and we even have a patent in place already for a specific approach for the smaller diameters. And pretty soon, actually this summer, we will bring a new solution to the market for the large diameters, which comes to show that development and innovation will, will never stop. Really. Well, that's a good place for this to stop. Thank you, William. Um, although the emphasis has been on finding the new fuels to meet shipping's 2030 and 2050 targets and goals, there's a great deal going on in the background to reduce the industry's carbon footprint, and some of that work has been underwater. Perhaps that activity has not received the attention it deserves. Commercial divers are just one of many professional skills now being put in the spotlight as part of the push for cleaner and greener shipping. There's much to be done while waiting for those fuels to become available. Thank you for listening to this Lloyd's List podcast. Mm-hmm.